baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We're, we're calling it a Derusha Delight Day. It is wonderful outside. Beautiful. Some of you want snow. You'll get it. Some of you want cold. It'll get cold. Live in the now. You don't have to turn a December day. You know, some stations that declare today a top 10 weather day or don't declare a top 10 weather day, they're afraid. They're afraid of the blowback. They don't want to call it a top 10 weather day today because they don't want the winter lovers to say, I guess you're cheering for global warming. I'm afraid of nothing. Nothing, Charlie. How do you not love this day? Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, I don't want. Well, you know, I'm sort of mixed on global warming. (laughs) I don't really want global warming, but I do feel like here in Minnesota, if anyone's going to win out of the deal, that's going to be pretty good for us. We're we're not doing too bad. Yeah, a little. There's a little bit of selfish, like generally speaking, bad, bad, yeah, bad. But agree. But you know, hey. Probably going to be good for us. Shock jock radio. Global warming's good. <laughs> hey, let's just make the best of it. All right. That's all I'm saying. Just like today. It is beautiful. Thanks for hanging out with us at Drive Time. I'm Jason DeRussia. Dan is off today. I'm proud of him. Charlie's here. I'm proud of Dan for taking his vacation time. Because a survey I read today absolutely, and it shouldn't have shocked me, but it absolutely shocked me. of workers say they feel guilty about taking time off. Do you feel guilty about taking time off? Two questions for you to respond to. That's the first at 651-461-9226. Do you feel guilty about taking time off? Because I sure as hell do not. (laughs) Absolutely not. I never have. I never will. 80% feel guilty about taking that time off. Now, some, yeah, maybe I just, is it possible I just don't have a soul and I don't have the capacity of feeling guilt? Possible. I mean, that's always a possibility. It's, you earned it. It's your compensation. Do you feel guilty taking a paycheck? There is something about time off that we have convinced ourselves that if we take time off, we're just creating more work for ourselves. And that is a major problem, not just in, in, you know, your personal well-being, but study after study indicates that it's a problem in your productivity and and in your workplace. In fact, your employer should be pushing you to use all of your vacation time. Now, I have a, a quick question. Is this specifically an American study? This is a global it's study. A global study. Okay. But that is, uh, that is a global stat. Here's some U.S. data. So this includes people in the U.K. and the U.S. For people who have allotted PTO, because some people have unlimited PTO, which I believe is an absolute scam designed to take advantage of the fact that we feel guilty. 
Right. They make you feel yeah. like, oh, oh, you can take whatever. Take whatever you want. And then you're like, oh, gosh, I don't want to seem like I'm greedy. Everybody that I know that has unlimited PTO uses less PTO than people with yeah. average. Right. Yeah. So it's it sounds good. It sounds good. But how do you how do you police it? Yeah, it's better for the companies. Thirty-eight percent of U.S. workers did not use their time off. What is wrong with you people? If you are not using your time off, I want to hear from you at six five one four six one nine two two six. And please explain where you went wrong as a human. Where did it all go south? Things were looking good for you. I believed in you. We're just helping out the company. You're just giving them your money back is basically my view on this. But I have I have a job where if I leave, no extra work builds up. Yeah. So most people, I think, have the same pile of work. And so if they leave for two days or five days, maybe maybe that does really add up for you. See, my thought then in that scenario, which I have been in, you know, scenarios You've like had that before. Regular jobs. Regular yeah. jobs. That's the company's issue if they don't have enough workers that can take over during holiday time to finish work and yeah. do things. That's not my issue. That is the company not budgeting and not figuring out that they need more people to take care of when time is off. They're offering the time off. That is a part of the job. That's part of the job. That's part of your compensation. So why should I feel bad if they don't have the the manpower to, to deal with it? We're saluting Dan Cook. December is the month that Americans take time off more than any other month. Sometimes I... I, I uh, Wish that I spread out my time better. So this month, I'm taking every Friday off. I'll be off tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then I'm taking the week between Christmas and New Year's off. So am I working? I am not even working 14 days in the month of December. That's nice. I mean, a typical work month is 20 days, right? So I'm working 11, 10, 10 days all month. Some of you are saying, meh. All right, you're showing up to work 10 days. How many days are you yeah, working? I don't think too many Fair. people are working a ton this month. 651-461-9226. It's the profession that I'm in is the reason that I don't feel the guilt, says this texture. I have coverage with no stress. It's true. I've been. This texture has been an executive chef for over 25 years. So hard to leave. Because menus, orders, coverage, all of that in Dave from Stillwater's industry makes it tough. I I do empathize with that, especially if you're like, if you're the executive chef, you know, you might have a sous chef that can cover for you, but probably not with the authority to make some of the decisions that yeah, you, you have, have to make. the oversight. There are definitely, and I think that's that's a major part of it. There are definitely jobs where this doesn't necessarily apply and being a chef i think is is right up there another texture says companies don't care take the five days off come back to five days of work yeah companies don't care i think if if we would just like internalize that <laughs> it depends on the size of the company no, for sure. The smaller companies. Right? Yeah, if it's a mom know. and pop shop. Uh, and there are managers who care, for sure. Owners who care, absolutely. 
I do think it'll be very interesting. Now, the Gen Xers, my generation, were never going to be in any leadership role. We really got hosed here because the boomers won't leave their slots and the millennials will riot if we don't give them the jobs. So the Gen Xers are just going to kind of skulk off to retirement and wonder what happened. I thought I was going to get to be the boss. But I will be curious when the millennials really start taking the leadership roles, will they set a different example when it comes uh, to taking time off? I had a boss at TV who took time off, would take a week off, go on vacation. And I thought she set a very powerful example. It was good for her other managers to take time off. If I have a number in my computer payroll program that says how many days I have, I will be winding that sucker down to zero. And I'm a little surprised that this is a a global study. I mean, the European take on vacations, you know, the whole month of August. Yeah. A lot of, you know, Spanish and French. That's that's vacation time. It's interesting, right? I think the U.K. especially has sort of internalized some of these American approaches to the workplace. And I don't is. And yet Americans are yearning for the, the European model more and more. Yeah. What are you doing as far as vacation? 651-461-9226. More text, more calls when we come back on CCL. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 80% of people feel guilty using their time off. Dan Cook is not among the 80%. He's off today. I'm off tomorrow. (laughs) And John Hines is going to do a great job. This radio station is going to keep operating. It's all going to be fine. Oh, we got a good show coming. Take it easy. It's not going to be that good. Carl and Anoka. Is on the CCO talking text line six five one four six one nine two two six. Hey Carl. Hey, how's it going, Jason? Good, good. What do you do when it comes to your? Uh, do you use all your vacation time? I don't have any vacation time. You don't. I work. I work forty hours a week. I have a really great union job in construction, but most most construction workers don't oh, have any PTO or, or sure. vacation pay. We have really good health care and pension, but we never get paid time off. We work and we get paid. You work and you get paid. Interesting. Do you miss that? Like when you, I don't know if you have a spouse who has, has like vacation days or does it work out for you as far as, you know, the, the fact that you can decide if you work or not? Yeah, that's, that's the great thing. You have a great relationship with your boss. You work and you get paid. And yeah, my wife has, yeah. All kinds of vacation times. He's always home. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, right? I if you had a bucket of vacation time, would you would would you feel guilty, do you think, about not working? I've never had a paid day off in my whole life. I would oh, wow. take one thousand percent advantage of that. <laughs> yes. I would take every day, every yes. hour I could. Yes. Yes. You, you deserve no it. No guilt. You deserve it. No guilt. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Thanks for calling, Carl. Appreciate yep. it. Let's talk yep. to Sean. He is at 651-461-9226. Hi, Sean. Hey, Jason. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Where do you come down on vaca- right. vacation time? 
Well, I use my vacation up, and I use it wisely. We have a we have a lake place up in Crosby on Serpent Lake, and so we um, try to get up there as much as possible and take mm-hmm. take an extra day, either a Monday or a Friday, to make a long stretch of it. Yeah, that was one of the interesting things in this uh, in this study. It was uh, whether people take Fridays or Mondays, and in the United States, yeah. uh, in the U.S. Uh, we usually do Fridays, but across the globe, Mondays are are more common for people to take off, which I don't know. I'm usually a Friday guy, so it's got me thinking maybe maybe that soft launch into the week with a Monday off would be pretty nice, too. Why not both? <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at going, uh, working 11 out of 14 days now over the holiday. Oh, yeah. Start, starting tomorrow. It, yeah. feel, it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a good stretch during the holiday, but yeah, yeah, very good. good. Sean, thanks for listening and thanks for the call. We appreciate yeah. it. 651-461-9226. Now, my sister is a teacher, and this texter works in a school. The hard thing is to find a replacement or a substitute when you're gone because there's such a shortage of yeah. subs. I do think teachers get screwed in this respect because, like, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. And what have I done to help prepare for tomorrow's show, Charlie? Uh, not not a ton. Literally so, nothing. Yeah, I've nothing. done yes. absolutely I was going to give you a little benefit yeah. of the doubt there. I mean, I think you have one guest set up who, who normally joins us on Fridays. No. Oh, no. no. He, he's out. He's out. No. So goes. literally nothing. So uh, I did, in fact, do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine with that. Like, this place will be fine. It is. It's totally fine. The school deal is tough, though, because teachers have to, you sort of prepare the lesson plan, so you're kind of doing that extra day's work anyway. Yeah, I think that's the point, right? There are definitely jobs that are outside of of this purview, outside of the study. The chef, construction, teacher. There are couple couple public school uh, folks have texted in and said that those workplaces really make you feel guilty. And it does it, it does like to sort of broaden this out. I mean, uh, it does make you think about what is the right way to structure the work week? We've sort of been in this five day a week, eight hour day scheduled kind of cycle for decades. And the world has changed quite a bit. And I think frankly, that people work way too much yeah. because you've got email and text on your cell phone around the clock. Humans were not meant to live this way, Jason. I I, th- I think not. I think not. So another texter, I spent my 37-year professional sales career on straight commission, never had a paid day, paid day off in my life. I retired at 60, though, and now I get to spend six months in Hawaii each winter. So if you that's not so bad. Yeah, but man, I mean, don't you want to spend six weeks in Hawaii when you're 32? That is, that is yeah. <laughs> this texter, I'm a substitute teacher. Most of the lesson plans I receive are minimal. Busy work for the kids. The kids know it. It's usually a bit chaotic on the middle school side. High school kids just sleep. Yeah. So, 
Man, high school. I got a high schooler. That kid can sleep. Like, I do not remember sleeping that many hours when I was in high school. Oh, you missed out. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's a really good time. So much sleeping. So much. Why? Are, my wife asked last night, she's like, why is he so tired? He's a high schooler. Tired from what? Physiology. Those were the days, man. That's your body. You need more sleep as a, as a high schooler. You do. Physically. Ask a doctor. I'm not one. <laughs> I'm just saying stuff. It's 328. We're going to take a break. When we come back, so much going on uh, politically. We're going to talk to Chris Saliza, one of the uh, premier political analysts nationally. He's covered uh, the U.S. Congress. He's worked for CNN, for the Washington Post. He's out on his own now, and he joins us semi-regularly right here on Drive Time with Russia. We welcome Chris Saliza to the program. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Uh, I think we can blame Joe Biden for this because <laughs> I'm currently I'm currently in hour two of driving back from my son's school oh. because there is a Biden motorcade. Oh, no. This yes. is the kind of stuff that the the political pundits don't realize how much this affects uh, voter exactly. behavior. My vote has been changed. That's it. You're done. Sorry You're done with late. Biden. <laughs> Let me let me ask you this, Chris, because I was just going to talk to Charlie about this issue. I am fascinated at the White House interns who sent a letter telling Mm -hmm. Joe Biden that they want a ceasefire. Uh, Some administration staffers held a vigil in front of the White House. Setting aside the issue itself, what is happening with the workers and the interns of America, or did I just miss the boat so much when I was interning at ABC News? It never crossed my mind that I could tell Peter Jennings what I thought he should do with his broadcast. This is so So weird. I think it is a generational thing. I will tell you, I was a paid intern for George Will, the conservative columnist, when I was in college, and I would not make eye contact with Yes, much less offer my views on the Israel-Palestine situation. (laughs) Right. So, so yeah, I think it is. I just think it's very different. It is. It is sort of remarkable. Um, but I think. I think we're showing our age a little bit. For I don't sure. Know. I, I, because for me, I thought the exact same thing, which was like, I mean, when I was an intern, it was very much a. Uh, I was going to say be seen, but not heard. But it was almost don't even be seen. Right. <laughs> just, yes. It was sort of go get the coffee when they needed coffee, kind of job it was not a job in which i engaged in uh in a policy discussion i mean some people have internships where you have actual roles right like you're yeah, that was not me no me either i mean the, the I high tell people what? who are wondering jobs and in, intern jobs in journalism if you work at a big organization like the post or abc or yeah. the times it's not you're not writing like the the lead story on the 2024 <laughs> no. presidential race no no I got to pitch story ideas to Peter Jennings, and at one point in the summer, uh, I introduced myself to Peter, and he was like, I know who you are, Jason. You're here all the time. And I was like, oh, my God, Peter Jennings uh, yeah, actually knows my name. Yeah, that was like a name. huge, totally, absolutely, <laughs> yes. was, You know, I was no, not. I, mean, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't an intern, but when I was 26 and I started working at the Washington Post and Bob Woodward happened to be in the office, it was like the coolest thing ever. Well, the reality is the Israel-Gaza conflict is uh, – certainly it's a humanitarian crisis. 
It's a geopolitical crisis, and it's becoming uh, more and more of a political crisis for yeah. Joe Biden uh, when yeah. you look at his poll numbers, right? Yeah, and it's you know it's interesting that we started talking about young young generational differences. I mean, I, I think there's a huge generational difference yeah. there. Um, you know, uh, Biden's position, which at least started with you know we fully support Israel, he he's hedged off of that a little bit, but but it's still mainly the position of of, of the administration. I mean, that's a sort of stone cold winner. 20 years ago, probably even 10 years ago, oh, there's yeah. no real resistance there, but. No. Uh, and, and by the way, no real resistance within either party. You know, I, mean, I think the Republicans, while they probably don't want to agree with him, probably would have. Um, it's definitely, I mean, I think he had his problems among young voters, who, by the way, are sort of overwhelmingly Democratic uh, in the last couple of elections. I think he had his problems there. He was not Barack Obama in terms of exciting them and turning them out. But he won them pretty overwhelmingly. This is, you know, I think they were not terribly enthusiastic about the idea of a Joe Biden second term. If you, you know, if you think of it just as an age question, you know, people who are somewhere between 18 and 29 probably don't want someone who is 81 running for a second term, right? I mean, they've been the most resistant always to his age. And I think, you know, I think there is certainly a segment of young people, more young people have more questions about the U.S. positioning on the Israel Hamas situation or Israel-Palestine situation, call it what you, you know, however yeah. you want to describe it. More young people have questions about that than certainly people, I'm 47, than certainly people sort of 45 and up. Yeah, it is. To me, it's very, very interesting. And, and certainly as we learn more about what's going on over there, it becomes more uh, messy, right? And more challenging. Yeah. Uh, yep. What I almost always are. It's very, yeah. very rare. You know, it's very. What are rare these young that, voters going to do, though? Like, do well, I, I suppose they just stay yeah. home? Right. Is that the issue? That's the question. So I think, yes, I think the issue because, I, you know, I, obviously, when I talk about this and write about this, Democrats say, well, what are they going to do? They're not going to vote for Donald Trump. And I think that's right. They're not going to vote for Donald Trump. But just as not just as but close to as corrosive for Biden's chances of winning are them staying home. I would remind people, you know, look at just go and look at Biden's margins. And let's just say I'm just picking two swing states that will be swing states again, Georgia and Arizona. I think he won Georgia by 11,000 and Arizona by 12,000. You know, it does not take a significant change in voter turnout for that to be different. Right. I mean, it's not as though he has this he had in 2020 a huge amount of sort of votes to play with. So staying home is, I think, a real danger. Obviously, voting for Trump would be more problematic, but staying home is still a problem. Chris Saliza is our guest. You can check him out on his Substack or follow him on Twitter, Chris Saliza. Uh, Nikki Haley got an endorsement this week from the governor of New Hampshire, Governor Chris Sununu, and you wrote uh, about how that is a sort of a big nothing. What's what's your take of that? Yeah, I mean, I sort of. So my experience with um, endorsements, uh, you know, my my formative experience was 2004 when 
Howard Dean was running this sort of outsider insurgent campaign to be the Democratic nominee. Everyone was wondering if the establishment would get behind him. Al Gore, who was sort of the establishment at that point, remember he had been the nominee in 2000. Many people said he had been elected president. He endorsed Dean, and it was seen as like, well, Dean is going to be the nominee. Three weeks later, Howard Dean lost Iowa to John Kerry. He lost New Hampshire to John Kerry, and the race was over. So I'm always a little bit skeptical of how much any one endorsement matters. Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, is popular. He won by 17 points his re-election race uh, in 2022. But he's been a very high-profile critic of Donald Trump. So him endorsing anyone other than Trump is not terribly surprising. And I just don't think there are, are Trump supporters in that state. And by the way, he's winning the state by 30 points. I don't think there are Trump supporters in the state who say, oh, wait, Chris Sununu is for Nikki Haley. Maybe I should not support Donald Trump. You know, I just, I'm just very skeptical that there's, there's any significant block of those voters. Chris Saliza is with us. Uh, ChrisSaliza.substack.com. Uh, Talk about the impeachment uh, inquiry. Uh, The Republicans voted yesterday in the House to go ahead and formalize the fact that they're uh, looking into impeachment proceedings against uh, Joe Biden. And and you call that fundamentally unserious. What do you mean by it? Yeah. And I agree, by the way. what What I would say, and this is not. You know, the, uh, impeachment has now become a political tool. I mean, I, I remember in the late 1990s when, when House Republicans impeached Bill Clinton, it was still like, whoa, it was a big deal. I mean, you know, many people said it was political, but it didn't happen all that often, right? right. Impeachment was in many ways a tool of last resort. Well, that's not the case any longer. It's sort of like if the opposition party controls one of the two chambers of Congress and the president is of the other party, impeachment feels like a, like a, a, a predictable must. At right. that point, right. um, I think this is about muddying the political waters. I mean, I, if you read quotes from Republicans who are not James Comer from Kentucky or Jim Jordan from Ohio, who are sort of leading the charge on this, there's lots of quotes from Republican House members and senators who say, like, yeah, there's not like a lot of there there right now. Maybe there will be, but there isn't any now. And, you know, so this is sort of an investigation in search of. Uh, some evidence. There, there's not really evidence to open this investigation because, yes, Hunter Biden behaved poorly. Hunter Biden, I think, is, is, is provable that Hunter Biden sort of um, traded on his father's name for business. But there's no evidence, none that I've seen, at least, that that Joe Biden knew about it, that Joe Biden was involved in it, that Joe Biden profited from it. So it feels to me sort of like this is an attempt to say, well, Donald Trump is under four indictments and 91 counts. we got to do something to sort of muddy the waters. And this is the thing that they can do and they are doing. Chris Saliza is with us here on Drive Time with DeRussia. You know, you, we, we talked a little bit about some of the struggles that uh, Joe Biden, President Biden, has with younger voters and vulnerability, at least uh, uh, over the issue that he's being perceived as not uh, uh, doing enough to call for a ceasefire over there. Uh, mm-hmm. Dean Phillips from Minnesota has sort of been flailing, uh, trying to f- at first he was running saying Joe Biden's too old. I respect him. I like him, but he's too old. We need yeah. a younger generation. Yeah. Now, it seems that that didn't like uh, that didn't get him very far. And now we have more of, well, he's trying to go, you know, he's calling for a ceasefire here. He's going sort of to the right on other things. Like, what's your read on what's going on there? It it feels a little scattershot. And, and, you know, look, I I always say that um, the average person, uh, does not follow the trials and travails of a presidential candidate's staff 
right? Sure, like sure. I always use my mom. Like I'm an only child. I've been a political reporter my whole adult life. So my mom follows politics a little bit. You know, yeah, I, mean, I think she knows right. more than the average bear. But like my mom is not like, oh, I can't believe Steve Schmidt left the Dean <laughs> Phillips campaign. You know what I mean, like she's not like I'm following it that closely, but she's certainly not. Right. But what I do think staff stuff, when you're losing a lot of staff, people are leaving, people are coming. And I think that's very much been the case with Dean Phillips is I think it it indicates a level of chaos and uncertainty. Like it's like any other organization. If all of a sudden the um, the CEO or the CFO or the CTO all left, you'd be like, what is going on there? You know right. what I mean? Like it right. doesn't seem good. And even if the chairman said, oh, things are great, it would be a little bit questionable. And I think that's what's going on with Dean Phillips. I mean, I think I'm not sure he sort of knew what he wanted to say when he got into the race other than, you know, I just think Joe Biden is too old. I think we're going to lose this race. Uh, and I, and I want to be a person who sort of says that and, and, and in some ways can say, I told you so, if and when Joe Biden is too old and loses the race. Right. I think now that he's in it, spending his own money, investing in it, he's sort of looking for a way to be more relevant. And as a result, I think he's kind of all over the place. You know, he is saying Biden is too old, but then it's like you said, he's sort of talking about a bunch of other stuff he hadn't really been talking about. It's not clear to me there's like a cohesive strategy or message here. I don't think Dean Phillips is going to beat Joe Biden, even if he had a great message. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't but think he thinks he's going to beat him. You know? Not reflecting well. No, it's not. It, it is the first whatever month or six weeks of this has not reflected particularly well on him yeah. in my in my estimation. Chris Eliza, we appreciate the time. We're sorry about your uh, motorcade issues. I have finally, the, the traffic has finally begun <laughs> to move. So an hour and 20 minutes after Oof. my drive began, it will end shortly. Very good. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Guys. Always. Take care. 350. We'll do traffic and weather next and a seed art update next. The great yellow mustard seed controversy has been resolved. I know what you're thinking. Huh? Do you like the crop art at the state fair? Who doesn't like the crop art? It's one of the most popular things there these years. ISIS. They don't like it. Otherwise, everyone likes. Yeah. If you ask them. <laughs> even ISIS. Yeah, I think even ISIS. Crop likes art. It. Yeah. Uh, crop art, as chronicled by the great uh, columnist Jennifer Brooks in the Star Tribune, had cut the mustard. This year, mustard seeds were allowed. They've been part of crop art for a long time. You know the mustard seed. Kind of that, you know... French's mustard yellow color, sort of round, uh, easy to dye, I'm told. So they absorb colors very nicely. So they're very popular. However, in Minnesota, crop art can only be made from seeds and plant materials that come from Minnesota agriculture and horticulture. No weeds allowed. No crops that can't thrive in our climate. It's the state fair. It's not use whatever you can. Another contestant snitched, which feels so crop art. Very crop art. Very, very, very state, state fair, fair competition. competition. Yeah, any yes. of yeah. uh, So at first, Ron Kelsey, the 83-year-old superintendent of farm crops, 
said, well, it does not appear to be a native crop. And Minnesota is battling an invasion of noxious garlic mustard. That's an invasive weed. And so they didn't want to encourage non-Minnesota mustard. But there is controversy. And the controversy as of today has been Resolved. The Minnesota Crop Improvement Association has labeled yellow mustard seed as a cover crop in Minnesota. We did it. Celebrate. Ah, just wonderful news. So funny. What a great state. Like that this is a thing. I love it. I love it. The Keys Cafe family joins us for Derusha Eats next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.